welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast. Today, we're doing our first cross-country, East Coast to West Coast Skype call with a guy who I keep seeing on Facebook and different things, doing a lot of good stuff. It's Anthony Mays. How's it going out there, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And you're in San Diego, California? Yeah, sunny San Diego. It's actually, it's about 11 o'clock, and I think it's already 70-something degrees, so it's pretty nice. You know, San Diego is one of my favorite places to go, and you can see why lots of people settle down out there. And you're from Michigan originally, so you must love it out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the military is originally what brought me out here. And the first day I got here, I just called my mom and I said, yeah, I think I'm just going to live here. <laughs> I think she took it as a joke, but um, no, nope, I stayed. <laughs> does, does she get to come down and visit you a little bit? Uh, she's done. So yeah, she did once. And then hopefully I think she's planning a trip soon to come again. So that's cool. Were yeah. you, uh, in the Marines then? Yeah, I was in the Marine Corps for five years. Five and, years. Uh, yeah. Was that yeah, right I got out? out in 2009. Okay. Was it like right out of school or you jumped in or a little bit after? No, I was actually, I was a late bloomer. I didn't join until I was 22 and, uh, which is really late. Cause when I got stationed here, um, I had already spent a year going through training, and then I spent four years here. But as soon as I got here, there were guys 20 years old that were my boss, and here I am, 22 years old, <laughs> older than my bosses. And it, it was a little, it was weird because they'd be like, "Clean your room." I'm like, "I'm a grown man. I can, I, I got it. Don't worry." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, so you're a magician, and I've had lots of requests from people to get on some people that are in entertainment that do some comedy in their shows, but aren't necessarily comedians. Tell me about when you started doing magic. Was it one of those things where you got a kit when you were a kid as a gift and you kind of ran with it, or how did it start out? Yeah, it was kind of like that. I was actually seven years old. My grandparents had surprised my sister and I with a trip to Disney World in Florida. So uh, Christmas Day, we opened the presents, and they're like, Congrat or you know, surprise, you're going to Disneyland or Disney World. And so we were like, What? And they're like, Yeah, we're leaving today. And it was just Christmas morning. We we drove all the way down there and the, they took the R V, we we got down there. And on Main Street in Disney World, there was a magic shop called the Old Town Magic Shop. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever saw a magician. And uh it just I don't know what happened, but I just absolutely loved it. And I just kept talking about it when we went home. And the next year, my grandparents went back down to Florida because that's what you know grandparents do. Right. And when they came back, they brought a magic kit, and inside it had a couple tricks. It had a video, and then it had a mail order catalog. So like old school mail order catalog. It was all illustrations. There were no photos, nothing. It was just a description of what the trick was. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much at eight years old just tried making money to support my magic uh, uh, addiction. You know. <laughs> And then uh, from there, I just kept practicing, practicing. And then at 12, I did my very first paid gig for, uh, it was like a preschool, young fives kind of thing. And I was 12 years old, was in a little suit and bow tie and made my hamster appear <laughs> at the grand finale. It was, <laughs> it was adorable. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, so you entrepreneur as well as a magician early on, getting some shows, getting some gigs and doing some birthday parties and that kind of stuff on the side? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's I, I would do ice cream socials at schools. I was doing, you know, house parties or birthday parties or just whenever somebody was like, hey, do you want to perform here? And I started, I mean, this is this is bad, but I started at 14. I was working behind the bar, like doing bar magic for <laughs> drunk people. So, it was, I mean, it was amazing. Everybody's drunk, so I didn't have to work as hard. <laughs> yeah, really easy to deceive those guys. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. So, so you, you're doing it as you're growing up in high school, um, even in junior high. I know that the the awareness starts to shift a little bit, and some people are like, eh, "You're doing that magic stuff still." Like some people would would. Did you have any slack from your friends? Like, ah, come on, man, you're gonna skip this and go do that magic thing, or did it, did they get behind you? Oh no, they definitely they definitely were. You know, there were definitely pockets that were like, "That's so cool," and then there were pockets like, "You're still doing that," and they'd right. just be like, "Oh, it's the magic boy," you know, or whatever, and they would tease you and. That was actually one of the things that kept me in it is I was just so shy and such an introvert and I just I just wanted people to love me and I knew if I could do a trick right away people would be like wow that's so cool and um it definitely helped with my insecurities I think growing up and especially high school was a big time where it was like you know you're going through that change so you you just don't feel accepted by anybody really and magic was an easy way for me to go hey I'll just do this trick and Oh, there you go. And that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I always thought it was fun to get paid to go to a party as opposed to go to a party. Right, you know? exactly, yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. So you do that in high school, and then uh, did you go to college a little bit before the military is what you said? Well, I I was actually um, – I don't know if many people on the East Coast know this, but hot dog on a stick, I actually got hired as a manager out of high school because, again, yeah, I was had that very entrepreneurial spirit, and my grandfather owned a hardware store, so – I learned about business. My mom owned a few businesses. So I knew business uh, early on as a kid. And I just got rolled into a management position at Hot Dog on a Stick, which was kind of a goofy place to work at. But I was making more money than my mom at 18. Wow. So it was was kind of a distraction. I kind of started to slowly work away from magic a little bit um, at that point. And then uh, started doing improv, though, around that same time. So I had started learning about you know, being on stage and having comedic timing and stuff like that. Um, by the way, I should mention, I was not a good magician at <laughs> all. I was 18 and I still have the video clip of it. And it was the most atrocious show you've ever seen. And I don't know why people sat there for an hour. Like it was, oh, I was a horrible, horrible, horrible magician. Like like, it, was, it was just horrible. Why does he make himself disappear? This is the worst hour we've ever spent. Right. Yeah. He just made an hour disappear. That I'll never get back. <laughs> I think I just uh, at a certain point was like, I don't know if this magic thing's going to work out. And so I, I did that whole hot dog on a stick thing, tried to start going to college, but it was just so expensive to try to pay for it myself. And then that's when I started looking at the Marine Corps and I joined at 22 and I stayed in for five years. That's but cool. in the middle of that, I kind of started picking up magic again because we just had so much downtime. So I just sit there with cards and start playing you know, tricks with, with the guys. And they'd be like, uh, by the way, Anthony Mays is my stage name. My real name is not that. So, uh, they would all be like, Ladmiral, you know, do, do another trick or something like that. And, uh, yeah. So I kind of kept, kept hold of it until I got out of the Marine Corps. 
That's cool. And then, so did you do a few shows, like paid shows in the Marine Corps for the guys or talent shows or any of those kinds of deals? Um, I, I did a talent show. I think I placed second. It was actually during Hurricane Katrina. We had to evacuate Pensacola. And so we went to Georgia and we're in this giant industrial, like military warehouse. And all of us are just sleeping on cots for like four or five days. And uh, they had a talent show halfway through. And I think I performed. I think the guy that won was a beatboxer. He was pretty good, too. So yeah. Yeah. You guys could have hit the road together, man. Yeah, right? I know, right? It's entertaining. Oh, that's cool. Um, and since you've been out of the military, have you had a chance to go back and do any shows, like, you know, for the troops or overseas or any of those kinds of deals? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the whole thing where stand-up comedy comes into play is about three and a half years ago, I started to um, do some motivational speaking and uh, that was a spinoff because I was on Fear Factor. So I was on Fear Factor. I started doing motivational speaking. And then this guy was like, dude, you've got to do stand-up comedy. Like, you're perfect for it. And this is a guy that I worked with years before in Michigan. And I uh, was like, no, you got to do it. You got to do it. And so um, when I s- started picking up stand-up comedy, I started meeting other guys that were doing military shows. And I'm like, hey, I was in the military. I'm like perfect shoe-in for this. And then uh, met up with. Patrick DeGear, who's a national headlining comedian, and we became really good friends. He's based here in San Diego. And uh, he's always been doing military shows for the last 15 years. And so we just started rolling me into the rotation of those shows. So I get to go to like San Nicolas Island, which is full military installations, the Navy installation, Uh, do the hospitals here in town. We've done um, Wounded Warriors. and then also like some other police associations, stuff like that. But yeah, definitely the military is, is my bread and butter. I like it. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. And out there in uh, San Diego, what's tell us a little bit about the San Diego comedy scene and the magic scene out there for people who haven't been out that way. Um, the comedy scene is very receptive. Um, it's very, there's, let's see, there's one, two, there's four main dedicated rooms to comedy and they run shows every night of the week. Um, normally you're only, if you get a weekend, you're only doing two shows on Friday and Saturday. So there's no like, you know, you don't start on Wednesdays or Thursdays. Um, but there's a lot of opportunity for one nighters. If you want to promote your own rooms, a lot of these owners are just receptive. The comedy store isn't as much. Um, but then we have uh, comedy palace and we have the Madhouse, which are great owners. They're always welcome to bring in new comedians or, um, if you're just flying into town and you're an established comic, it's it's pretty easy to get up on the lineup if, if you were in for a weekend. Um, and there's so, I mean, there's a lot of one-night rooms. So mm-hmm. a lot of bars or coffee houses that do their own comedy nights that are very popular. There's a one called Reds. Um, it's called The Wood, actually, but the place is called Reds. And that's on Wednesday nights. And, I mean, it's standing room only every single Wednesday night. And it's just, I mean, it's amazing. It's awesome. That, that <laughs> it, is good. Yeah, it's not a non-comedy club, no no cover. You just come and everybody's just, it's a lot of college age. It's in the college district, uh-huh. you know, where the parties are. But yeah, yeah, you see a lot of new uh, new comics out there in that area, especially with the college right there? Um, Do I see a lot of new ones? Um as far as like new up and coming comics, is yeah, that anybody kind of get after it and stick with it, and you're like, hey, this this guy or this gal might have something going on here. Um, 
Well, Taylor Taylor Tomlinson, yeah. I don't know if you saw her on uh, Last Comic Standing, but she started here in San Diego. She's only 21. She started at 16, and she now moved on to L.A. And she's, I mean, two years ago, I was doing shows with her at San Nicolas Island and here in San Diego, and now it's, you know, it's rare that we see her. We see her maybe once a month or something, but... Yeah, I think I met her in 2009 at one of the Christian Comedy Association yeah. events out there, and she had a, a friend, Karen Robertson, bring her out and and show her around and she i could tell her early on she had a lot of a lot of wit already you know so oh yeah and i'm not surprised hosts, but it's it's great how fast it's happening for her exactly she's hosting most of the episodes of last tv and it's it's pretty cool actually that's another good thing about san diego and this kind of area from la to san diego is if you want to be on last tv i mean they tape right here in between the two at pachanga casino and so a lot of the guys that i'm i'm performing with every week um, they're ending up on these episodes every, you know, every quarter or whenever they tape them. So it's pretty cool. That's cool. Have you got a set down for them yet? Um, I, actually, she asked me to send something. I'm the worst at trying to get good video footage. I video every performance, but it's just getting that good video and audio to send to them to be, you know, I guess proud of. I guess I'm the most hard on myself when it comes to trying to submit for things, but. I know. I need to because she keeps asking me, the producer. So I'm like, ah, okay. You got to put it together, man. When people are knocking on the door, you got to open it up. You know, because after a while, they stop knocking. Like, that guy never opens the door. Right. And then it's too late. So I got to take it while I can. Yeah. So that's my my goal. That's my goal right now. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) And I know you're close enough to a lot of good things out there. Are you going to be at one of the big awards show that I see? Is that coming up? Uh, Seek filler? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be at the Grammys on Monday. (laughs) Yeah. Tell everybody about that a little bit because I think anybody that's interested in comedy is kind of interested in show business in general. But tell me about the Grammys and how that process goes for sitting in the the show and watching everything. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So this is actually the second time I'll be a celebrity seat filler. But the first time was a couple of years ago. And it's through this this, uh, company does it every year for the Grammys. There's a different company that does it for each award show. But this one is called Seat Fillers and More. And so you can go to their website, seatfillersandmore.com. And I, so this was actually five years ago, I started to apply. So each year they give you 24, 48 hours to submit your information and you create a little ticket of request to be a seat filler. And then they close it, and then they do a lottery system, and then they pick 300 people to be those seat fillers. The problem is, is like 30,000 people apply, and there's only 300 seats. So it's like a 1% chance that you'll get picked. So I did it for three years. Finally got picked two years ago, just randomly got picked, and I went. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't matter if you're a comedian or if you're a juggler or if you're a singer or whatever you are. To be sitting in a room that energetic and that close to that much fame and success, it can't help but energize you and motivate you to realize, wow, these dreams, these dreams you have as a kid are so much closer than you think they are. Like I'm sitting, you know, I, the first second I get in there, I'm sitting with Ozzy Osbourne and Sharon. Nice. I'm, right, I'm right behind Daft Punk. I give up my seat for to Paul McCartney. I get to high five Pink. I shake hands with Jamie Fox. Like, oh man! Um, I mean, it was, I got a hug from Taylor Swift. I mean, it's like just crazy to think like how close you are to this success if you just really just hunker down and and take it. You know, I mean, That's just go after sweet. it. Did Daft Punk have on their hats or not? Did it, yeah, they had them the entire time they had them on. Yeah, it was crazy. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I love the gimmicky stuff, and their, their music backs it up, you know? 
Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, so as a seat filler, so if, when somebody has to get up and hit the restroom or whatever, they, they slide you guys in. So are you there for the whole time in certain seats or I guess it's just whatever they need, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like a, a fun game of musical chairs. So one commercial, so you pretty much are there during, so when the commercial breaks happen and everybody gets up and let's say they have to perform or they go to the bathroom or they go back to party, whatever they do, you go and fill those seats. So when they do the above shots with the cameras, it looks like it's a full audience. Mm-hmm. So um, one commercial break, you might sit there for two, excuse me, two segments, but then the next commercial break, you might be getting up and I might be running across the stage behind like Queen Latifah trying <laughs> to get to another seat as the guy in the sky is like 10, 9, 8, because it's a live show. So they're counting you down back to the live footage. And next thing you know, you're sitting next to like, you know, Beyonce or Jay-Z or something. It's 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 pretty surreal. <laughs> That's hilarious. Have uh, Do they have like an after party for the seat fillers? Do you guys have like a little room you get to hang out in for all the hard work? Well, not really. So <laughs> they um, they actually strongly discourage you try to go to any after parties because you know again it's like you're just a seat filler. You're not really. Right. But some people, I mean, some people hook up with other celebrities and they end up going to some party and just partying <laughs> all night. You know. But I'm like, I'm gonna go back to San Diego. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, fun. You also was, recently were did you try out for America's Got Talent already, or is that I coming did. up? I did. So I went to the audition. You know, this is my first year, so the likelihood of me probably getting accepted is low. But uh, I'm hopeful. I feel like I have pretty good material. But yeah, I did that for the first time this year, and I think that's an awesome experience. If you're a comedian, and whether you think you're ready or not, just I mean, just get out there so they start to see you. And uh, I think that's half the battle is just getting the producers to see you come each time, and that might be a little bit more in your favor each year. But uh, fun experience. I mean, it's a long experience. <laughs> yeah, what was the process like at the beginning? Just to just did you stand in a line or did you submit a video to get in to get I seen? um I actually I'm a part of an audition central here in San Diego on a Facebook group and somebody posted, "Hey, if you're the first, you know, 1000 people to sign up, you get a dedicated time slot." So, um I was one of those first 1000 people. I submitted the footage and then they replied back and they said, "Hey, here's your time, 11 o'clock, and so you go. And uh, it doesn't matter if you have an 11 o'clock uh, time slot, you'll still be seen at like four. So it right. doesn't matter. You're still sitting there because they want to get the footage of everybody kind of sitting around in the congregation in the center. And they want to, you know, get some B-roll footage and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, and then you go and it's, I mean, it's 90 seconds, boom, 90 that, seconds and you're done. <laughs> is that one trick or two tricks or what did you lead into? That was one trick. I took a it was a two and a half minute trick and I just condensed it down into 90 seconds. And, uh, uh I just kind of hammered them with all the comedy comedic points. And then I did the trick, which is where I swallow a balloon and then, uh, boom, done. <laughs> Cause you get, get it. I know it's like three people sitting there in a, in a room they've been in all day. Did you get a decent reaction? Oh, I got a great reaction. Both of them were just had their, the camera guy and the producer just had their jaws dropped. And they, each little comedic point I had after that, they just, they laughed. I mean, and so did the other guys that were in the room with me. And so I felt really, I mean, I couldn't have done it any better. So I felt good about that at least. And what's the timeline of finding out if you got through or not? So it should be within a, a week or two to the end of the month. So okay. I've got like a three week window from now to find out if uh, my hopes and dreams are crushed or not. Well, you know, maybe uh, you let me know as soon as you find it either way. And if the episode hasn't aired yet, I'll make sure it's in the notes. 
And if you did get through, I'll put it in there too. We'll, we'll, Cause people vote for you, right? Once you get on the show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Then, and then, so the next step is literally to be on in front of all the judges. So that'd be awesome. Have you done any other contests like that where you've been judged? Uh, cause you'll, you'll, a magician will be up against a comedian who'll be up against a singer who'll be up against a dancer. It's, it's kind of a weird format to jump into. Right. Have you it done is, a few of those definitely. locally or anything? Um, I've done a lot of comedy contests. Yeah. So the comedy contests have actually been very beneficial. So if you're a comedic magician out there, I recommend doing the contest. I mean, chances are that you're probably not going to win because a lot of people are stand up purists, you know, and they're like, ah, oh, they're not going to win. But <clears throat> you learn how to be more comedic in your magic. I think that way, because you start to realize, oh, I need to have, even though this is a three minute routine, I need to have six to seven laughs in this routine as well, too. And so it, it kind of puts you on a scale to see, like, how many laughs per minute am I getting compared to this guy? Or, you know, right. the magic may be awesome, but people are still there kind of voting on the laughter. So, right. yeah. That's cool, man. Who are some of your favorites out there? <clears throat> um, I'm sure you hit Las Vegas once in a while for different things and yeah. see guys come through. But who are, who are some of the magicians that you think have a good mix of the comedy and the magic? Oh, there's, um, so I think the biggest one is Justin Wellman. So if you're a comedian magician, you probably already know him, but he was uh, a magician growing up and then he got on to Rachel Ray, a couple segments doing some magic. She ended up hiring him as like a, um, uh, like a location reporter. So she would send him out to locations and he would kind of do some magic or, you know, tricks and stuff or jokes. Uh And, uh, he would report back to her. And then he eventually got the host uh, host position of Cupcake Wars. So he was on the Food Network or Cooking Network, whatever it was. Right. And so he got to host that for a season or two. And then once he was done with that, then he kind of used that as a catapult into doing more colleges, which he was already doing. But now he's headlining comedy clubs all the time. Another big one is uh, Piff the Magic Dragon. He was on America's Got Talent. Yeah, he was and, just here in Nashville last, I think, last Monday or Tuesday or something. Oh, did you get to see him at all? I, I didn't. I saw him real quickly on that Penn and Teller show. Like, prove right. what was prove it to uh, me or fool us, fool us. Yeah, fool us. Yeah. And I just thought you just got to love the whole getup and everything and the it, the suit so plus great. the demeanor is a great combo. It is, but I gotta say. The stuff he does on uh, TV that he did on AGT and he did on uh, Fool Us, his stand-up is so good. I mean, he, he melds the two very well. He's probably the best I've seen so far, which I was shocked to see because I'd seen his video clips and I heard other magicians talk about him. But I couldn't believe how good his stand-up was. I mean, he was getting those eight, nine, ten laughs a minute while doing magic. and I, So that was a good... Uh, learning experience for me to see how you could do that. That's cool. Do you ever get <clears throat> bump into the any of the old guard like uh, Matt King or any of those dudes? Ah, yeah, I just did like two weeks ago. Did you really? It's crazy. Um, so I do a, I run my own magic school. It's called Anthony Mays' Amazing Magic School. And it's actually teaching a curriculum by this legendary magician, Michael Amar. He created this over the course of 20 years. And um, as part of that, I'm one of the initial presenters. So they had 50 presenters out of 500 magicians applied. And so they selected me as one of the presenters. And so I got that exclusive right here in San Diego. So I'm able to teach this course that they created, <clears throat> but under my own branding and my own style. Excuse me. Let me take some water. That's fine. I'm thinking this might be a school of laughs opportunity to, to <clears throat> franchise out. So I'm listening close. <laughs> right. Exactly. It is. Um, 
it, it, what's funny is I think our logos kind of look the same too for the mag, my magic school and school of laughs logos kind of similar, like a but, shield. Yeah. It's like a shield. And <clears throat> but, I, I kind of stole my idea off of the ESPN. They had those logos a few years ago for the, I think it was for the championship, the VCS or whatever. I'm like, that's a oh, cool that looking what, logo. Is that what inspired you? <laughs> yeah, it, it actually was. I took a picture of that and I told somebody, make it kind of look like that and then make it look a little bit collegiate. And it, Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'll yeah. take a look at yours. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link to it. <clears throat> but um, so, yeah, so we had our first meeting of these initial presenters. We kind of had like a, um, just like a learning thing. We got to see somebody that's been teaching the course for three or four years. We got to see him teach an actual course in the school. And long story short, they had an awards banquet the last night and they presented me with the golden key of excellence for my, uh, cause I was one of the first people to actually, um, put out a class. And then also just the initiative of trying to take this and create new magicians in a, a very, unique way because we actually teach life skills coupled with the magic tricks. Oh, like so the whole, the whole point is to find out the eight traits of a true magician, which some of them are like humbleness, confidence, preparedness, authenticity, um, things like that. Respectfulness, if I didn't say that one already, but, um, so it's more about teaching you how to be a real true magician and not just be this guy that's on a laptop that's doing video clips and exposing the trick and stuff like that. Right. Uh, is, is kind of carrying on that legacy of what a true magician is. So you're saying Chris Angel couldn't probably pull this off? Oh, it'd be I rough. didn't want to bring him up, but it sounded like a, a, good, <laughs> a good opportunity to throw in a quick jab. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> when you said laptop to. and magic, I had to go right there and uh, green yeah. screen and whatever kind of tricks he's using with the devil. I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he's a unique guy. Actually, I'll, I'll say this. I was on his episode of an episode of uh, Mind Freak. Before I went to Iraq, um, I went and did a little extra spot for one of his things at the magic castle in Hollywood. And afterwards he just kind of, he, he said, Hey, we're going to just take some time. I'm going to meet with each one of you. We're going to sign some stuff, take some photos, whatever. And when he met me, I said, Hey, you know, I'm so glad I was able to do this before I went to Iraq. And he just kind of stopped. He changed his demeanor and he said, thank you so much for what you do. I appreciate you serving our country. Cause there's no way um, I could do what I love to do if it wasn't for somebody like you. And he's like, I know you were doing tricks earlier and they were great. And he's like, but hopefully someday, maybe in the future, we can work together and stuff like that. So I thought that was, I mean, out of all the celebrities I met, I thought that was really genuine. And That is pretty cool. Yeah. So, but you know, for the magic community, he is kind of <laughs> rough. <laughs> I know he's like a pain in the side. He's like that open mic comic that just won't go away. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he's got a lot of promotion. He's, he's everywhere and he won't exactly, go away. Exactly, right? And, and it's he's like, not going ah. away for a while. Yeah. That's funny. So uh, have you got to meet Penn and Teller? I always have to ask that. Um, I went and saw their show. Again, they're, they're great guys. They meet with everybody after their show. So whenever you see them, you can always get photos and that. And I've never had the chance to really talk with them. But um, I know Teller is an amazing, amazing entertainer. He's just... You know, he doesn't talk, but oh my gosh, this guy's got so much knowledge and um, creativity and just um, when you see him in person, he'll talk to you. So he's very um, eloquent with how he speaks and it's just, he's, he's a very theatrically uh, minded individual. I think he actually has a doctorate or something or, or he was a professor or something like that before he went into entertainment. So yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. He seems like a very cerebral guy. Yeah, you'd have yeah. to be cerebral to stay quiet that long around Penn. <laughs> right, exactly. You have to have yeah, a happy yeah. place to go and stay there for a while and come back. Right. That's pretty cool, oh, man. I, w- 
I will say this because we were talking about Matt King and yeah. the award in that. Matt King, if you ever go to Vegas, I know it's a weird show to kind of want to go see because it's like a family show. But Matt King is so good. If you guys can go, usually if you go to Harrah's and you've never got a player's card, you can go sign up for a player's card. They'll give you free tickets to a show. Just say you want to go to Matt King. And it's like a four, it's like a three o'clock and a 4.30 show or something. So it's still early in the day and you can probably go see him for free. I mean, I think everybody could learn something from him. He's he's the number one comedy magician I think there is. Oh, Max Dre. I used to work with him. A lot of the Funny Bones and stuff had him back in the day. And yeah. he's a Kentucky guy, and I'm a Kentucky guy. Hey, would, there you go. I remember we would be watching Kentucky and the, the championships and stuff <laughs> and the, and the uh, tournaments before the game, you know, and before the show that night. And if I had to run off in the MC, you know, he would come in and tell me the score and all that stuff. And we got to be pretty good buddies in a short amount of time. But, yeah, Mac does a lot of good stuff. You know, the two shows, I think, if you're out in Las Vegas and you want to see a matinee, one would be Mac and one would be Jeff Savillico, who does a great job. He's a juggler. Okay. And he's a, really funny. And this guy's got – in fact, you might, want to, you might want to look him up and contact him. He does a thing called Showbiz Academy. Uh-huh. And the magic stuff that you're teaching might be an element that he could include in what he's doing. So uh, look him up, Jeff Savillico. Uh, really good stuff. But yeah, those two guys at matinee shows, and you know, they could be evening time headliners for sure, but I think the afternoon gives them opportunities to go do corporate stuff in the evenings and stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, families tend to pay a lot of money too. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> Vegas had that short amount of time where they're like, bring the whole family, and that lasted about a year, but they've got <laughs> these water parks and stuff now, and like, yeah, put these kids somewhere, you know? Right, yeah, back to back to circus, circus, everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So you've got uh, a lot of stuff going on, man. What what are some of your ultimate goals here in the next, you know, short term, long term? Um, I'm so I'm a big proponent of trying to get outside of certain areas. So I really love stand up comedy, and that the whole reason of trying to learn stand up comedy was because I wanted to get a little bit better with my uh, motivational speaking. And then I fell in love with that. And then of course, you know, brought the magic into it. And so now I couple those together. The only problem with doing just comedy all the time in the comedy clubs is there's just really no money whatsoever in it. I mean, you can do a weekend, but most of the clubs here are paying between, I mean, 500 and a thousand for the whole weekend. If you're the headliner, if you're the bringer out, if you're a feature at any of these clubs, you don't get paid. I mean, it's very rare that you get paid. Usually your one nighters are where you get, you know, your $75 or whatever it is. Right. Um, or bar shows, which are atrocious as well. So, yeah. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> as far as, uh, my goals this year is I'm actually doing, uh, I've been doing hypnosis for a few years, not like as a stage, but like I, I learned it uh, several years ago. But this year I'm actually getting trained by uh, Kevin Lapine in Las Vegas to do a stage hypnosis show. So I'll be able to train under him. He'll, he'll show me. I get to go to his show every single night. And then at the end, I get to do the show with him. So I'll have video footage of me in Vegas performing, doing hypnosis. So I'll have a good catapult to like start booking, you know, like, because a lot of these schools will do, you know, prom night, all nighters, and they usually hire like a hypnotist or something. And that way I can do a, I could do a magic show coupled with the hypnosis. And so that's one of my goals. Um, uh, what else? With comedy, I would... So I'm definitely doing Laughs TV. I just got to submit that video footage. So the first step would be to get that good uh, video and audio. So I have 
in a separate audio recorder that I'm going to hook up there. And I actually have a couple little things uh, with music cues that I'm now working on, which is something different that I'm going to try to do because that's what I noticed Piff the Magic Dragon did was he had these music cues and the problem was he had a sound guy working it. So I bought like a, um, I think it's uh, Audio Ape and it's a clicker that you have in your pocket so you can do it yourself, Mm -hmm. but it's not like a soft clicker like most of these other remotes. Like this one, you're supposed to be able to tell if you've clicked it or not. And that way you know if you've actually hit the cue and you know the audio is about to come through. And I mean, that's a little bit more advanced. You know, that's my next step is to have these audio cues. Uh, Justin Willman, the other comedy magician, he does those as well. And he had a clicker for a number of years. Now he just has his wife do it mm-hmm. from the back because <clears throat> she knows all the cues. Um, but those, I tell you what, the reactions just bump it, you know, bump it up like 10 times if you have those comedic musical timing cues because it just adds to the effect. It adds to the comedy. and Right. Well, it looks like you got quite a bit going on and quite a, quite a few good goals right there ahead of you. Uh, aside from getting <clears throat> a good quality video, you know, what, what other struggle do you have? Like, what's one thing you wake up every day and like, man, if I could just get over this hurdle, I feel like I could get so much more done or um, get my name out there that much more. Social media. That's the hardest one for me is social media by far because it seems like, uh, you know, it, it, if you can come to a comedy club and you can say, hey, I have 30,000 Twitter followers, I think that's a lot of a pull you can leverage yourself a lot more if you've got the big following on the social media. Right. But I, I would- think a, a big thing for me to, if, if I'm, you know, want to make money is, um, a good thing for comedy magicians is, and this is what I'm slowly working on is doing, uh, a video, uh, tutorial of magic tricks. So like it would be essentially, um, learn six tricks and five bar betcha tricks to win free drinks off your friends or money, something like that. And, being able to have this online, just an online video tutorial that I can give somebody a card and they can go to Vimeo because Vimeo has a pay per um, view or something like that. So it's like a, if they go in, they pretty much just give you money and then they can view your entire video clips that you have. And so I would have, you know, six tricks and six bar betches and I can say, you know, $10 for this, you know, this download card and you'll make your money back with the video clips and you can win the money off your friends or something like that. Oh, I like that. That's a good use of right. technology and uh, right. you know, capture their email as they go in to do that so you have email to market to them. Exactly, that too. And then so whenever you're in town again or wherever you're at, you can do that too with the mailing list. I think the big thing is a mailing list really because mm. you see, I mean, that's how Kevin Hart built his empire was just – meeting with people and getting their info and letting them know when he was in town. And eventually it just snowballed and boom, everybody loves him, you know? Yeah. It's one, I tell you the email list is the, is the number one thing. I just talked to another comic yesterday and he's got, he's got a solid hour. He's got all, everything he needs to have. He just doesn't have proof of his following or proof of the people, you know, after the shows wanting to know more about him. So anything you do to collect that email is key. Um, If people want to find out more about you, Anthony, where's a couple places we can send them so they can check you out. Um, I am on Twitter. I really don't use it, but like I said, that's, that's something I got to beef up. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at 52 card guy and, uh, Facebook is where I'm at all the time. So Anthony Mays on Facebook or my page is comedy and mad comedian and magician, Anthony Mays. All right. Yeah. And if they want to check out, if they're in the San Diego area, I know we got quite a few listeners out your way. 
If yeah. they want to take some of that magic course. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't mention this. The course is specifically designed for kids 8 to 12, but okay. I do teach you know private lessons. So if anybody wants to meet up with that, you can just email me, uh, anthonymaysinfo at gmail. All right. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, it was good catching up with you today. I'll be out in San Diego sometime in the next year. I'll make sure I give you a shout. We'll go grab a oh, coffee absolutely, or something. Yeah, yeah definitely. For uh, sure. it's, it's a good town, man. Keep up all your good work. And Thanks thank for you for your me. service, man. I appreciate uh, all you did. Thank you for your support. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. Thanks, bud. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.